From the Allen Media Worldwide Headquarters Studios high atop Two Turtle Creek, this is Deconstructing Dallas. Greetings, everyone. It is your co-host, Ryan Trimble, here, joined today by the always dapper, always glowing, basking in the glow of a Cowboys win, Sean Williams. Sean, good day, sir. Good day. I mean, truly, you're always dapper, (laughs) truth be told. Like, you are the guy who comes in with the suit every day, but on Casual Friday, uh, which usually we don't say what day it is, but today is Casual Friday, and you got on jeans, you got on boots. I almost didn't recognize I you. I shocked everyone in the office. Yeah. Maureen nearly fell out of her chair when I walked by her desk. Maureen reintroduced herself to you because, A, <laughs> you have been out of the office, which we'll talk a little bit about, yeah. and B, because you are taking up Jeans Friday, which is a surprise to all of us. Uh, you know, I'm just going to jump on 2019 and some uh, resolutions, Sean. It's all right, man. Um, man. Dallas Cowboys. Man, big jump win. right in. How about that win last night? I was watching the game from kickoff, and we've talked a little bit about this. I mean, the defense was on fire. They were running sideline to sideline. Ball hawks. Every time Drew Brees threw the ball or dropped back to pass, two things happened. Number one, there was pressure on him in his face. And number two, there was a defender right with whatever receiver he was throwing the ball to. I mean, those guys were flying around like crazy people. Vander Esch, he's a wild man. Jalen Smith making tackles. What you said, you're a stat guy. 19 tackles tackles between between the two of them. Yeah, 19 tackles between them. And the best one we mentioned was, we were talking offline, the best one was when Smith comes from midfield uh, to tackle uh, Kamara at the goal line. That's a play where Kamara usually scores. Wasn't that the next play, then they stopped him on fourth down? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was a huge play. Jalen Smith, man, I mean, Leighton Vander Esch has been a surprise to most everybody except probably the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, he wears, it seems like he wears a tiny shirt during the game because I can always, <laughs> you know, it seems a little smedium, which, hey, I can't talk yeah, about anybody it. wearing smedium. I so, love it. But, man, Jalen Smith has been super stupendous out yeah. there on the field. Yeah, it's it's fun to watch those guys and, and you know, Zeke Elliott's flying around, uh, slashing and, and, you know, slicing and dicing and, it's it's fun to see them play well. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's fun to see them play well. It's fun to see Dak have a good game. He had 18 completions in a row at one point. He hit Michael Gallup there in the first quarter in stride, which was nice to see. Missed him a little later in the game, which would have been a really nice insurance <laughs> yeah. touchdown. But Dak had a good game. Got to take care of the ball a little better. Leads the NFL right. in fumbles. That is not a good thing. But you know what? One of my favorite things is at the end of a game when – the other team is out of timeouts and you are literally two or three yards away from the end zone and you can just line up in victory formation. I mean, that to me... You don't see me, that much, but man, <laughs> when you do... I love that. It's like, we could punch this in, but we're just going to take a knee and end this thing. It's yeah. so great. That, to me, is better than scoring the touchdown. Yeah. What, what's even worse is when that's the case and, and like, the line, if the line is, like, three and a half or something like that, and yeah. then it's... The, no, yeah, the that's, sports book in yeah, Vegas sports is going book crazy. Is, is not like that when, you know, there's money on the line, but when your team is at the one foot line and and goes in the victory formation. We should go cool. on a deconstructing Dallas, uh, deconstructing Vegas uh, road show. You know Sean. what? That is a really good idea. Um, I could definitely get in on that. Call it right now. If the Cowboys are in the Super Bowl, I don't want to be that guy. But let's put the Cowboys in the Super Bowl road trip to Vegas. 
Deconstructing Dallas Road Trip. Sean is... Deconstructing Dallas Road Trip to Vegas. Uh, this is... Uh, we, yeah. gotta, we need to start looking for sponsors now. <laughs> <laughs> Send us your emails to all you sponsors that are jumping out of your seats to uh, fly us to Vegas. Well, I, I want to um, give a, definitely a shout-out to the Cowboys defense. I mean, that was marvelous play and I, I really have enjoyed the offensive line play and I don't know if it's bringing Mark Colombo in as the offensive line coordinator I think they you know they made some changes on the offensive line due to injury but the offensive line to me outside of what Amari Cooper is doing for the team that's really been the biggest difference I think that is the biggest difference for me doing during this current win streak. Yeah, fun fun times to watch those guys and so uh, congratulations again Cowboys. Yeah and then you know, we've talked about you being out of the office because you were, um, let's see, monitoring or following. I'll say following the the recount yes. that was going on in House District 108. Yeah, congratulations to State Representative Morgan Meyer. Uh, he won officially. Uh, his opponent conceded uh, after a a. A recount that was ill-fated from the beginning, in my humble opinion. <laughs> and um, you know, we—not uh, that I don't love democracy and want the wheels of democracy working like a well-oiled machine—but um, it was a, it was a, it was good to see Representative Meyer officially get the win yesterday. Congratulations to him. I was down there. You know, the, these. The elections sometimes don't end on election day. And and what people don't look at is even when you look on those websites, it says unofficial, unofficial results. That's right. Because they have to make there are other ballots that need to be counted. They need to make sure everything is in. It's there's there's overseas ballots from military expat. I mean, there's a lot of of stuff that happens uh, after the after the victory party and the balloons and the confetti fall from the ceiling at the uh, you know at the big ballroom at the hotel so um, you know b- big thanks to to everybody who pitched in on that effort um, good to see representative Meyer he'll be returning uh, you know he'll be a, a strong voice for for North Texas uh, strong voice for Dallas so congratulations to absolutely him. congratulations and congratulations Congratulations to you on the work that you did on the campaign. Thank you. And thanks to every, you know, all those staffers down at uh, Dallas County Elections, whatever, whatever partisan uh, leanings you have, um, you know, some some people talpop them, think there's, you know, shenanigans going on. Those folks are really uh, hardworking professionals. And so... um, uh, they they handled it with uh, the utmost respect for democracy and um, you know worked worked until somebody told them to stop and so hats off to them thanks so much uh, everybody at the Dallas County Elections staff I love it when staff gets a shout out that's right that's great that's right as a former staffer I like absolutely that. as a former staffer for me <laughs> I like it as well so yeah. this week. I'd say we, but because you were busy and out and doing the election thing, it was me and Doug Dunsavage, our client, um, that we're going to be hearing from a little bit later. Um, Doug Dunsavage is the North Texas Community Advocacy Director at the American Heart Association, and I know I know you've done you've known Doug for a long time. Man, I 
I love Doug, Doug Dunsavage. That guy is a great guy. Um, so so sad that I had to miss uh, the time with him, but uh, you know, looking forward to to hearing your conversation with him. I remember Doug from uh, my time again in the legislature. I sound like a broken record every time we we talk about somebody like that, Sean. But uh, you know, Doug, uh, Dallas guy. He and he and his uh, better half live here in Dallas, and and they you know they know they know my better half and um, we've shared meals with them before and they are good folks but I used to see Doug roaming around the the halls of the Capitol as well and I think he had like a six state region for American Heart and so he has been a long time uh, fixture of that organization and has really done some good things I know he's worked with our firm on the smoking ordinance here in Dallas um, which was you know a monumental piece of um, of, of history here in Dallas, uh, and I remember sure. those days. So um, I've worked with Doug now for the last few months on addressing food insecurity here in in Dallas specifically right now, and it just full of knowledge but full of passion for the mission of the American Heart Association and you know for those of us who have long advocated to address food deserts and the other term that I've learned that we'll talk about um, since working with Doug is is food swamps also it's not just the food deserts but the food swamps where there are food options but they are not good options and so the American Heart Association is really interested in make making a direct impact there, and so we'll be talking to Doug about that. It's exciting stuff. Well, let's get into it right after this short break. Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams, stick with us. Basketball season is in full swing in Dallas, and that means it's time for some moody magic. That's right, friends. SMU basketball is back in action and looking to win another American Athletic Conference title. And now you can be part of the action by purchasing tickets today. Here's what you do. Call my friends over at the ticket office at 214-SMU-GAME or go to online to smumustangs.com. Season tickets and single game tickets are available. Again, that's smumustangs.com or 214-SMU-GAME. Go online today, get your tickets, give them a call, and pony up. Welcome back to Deconstructing Dallas. Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. You know, one thing that we really like to do is have an opportunity to speak with our clients on Deconstructing Dallas. And this week, one of our great clients, Doug Dunsavage, is with us. Doug is the North Texas Community Advocacy Director at the American Heart Association. And uh, we're going to talk today about some of the work he's doing here in Dallas. Doug, welcome to Deconstructing Dallas. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate being here, and thank you for having me on. So, you know, one thing that people think about when with the organization like American Heart Association, obviously the Heart Walk, that's very visible. Think about blood pressure screenings, making an impact on cholesterol. But can you talk about the policy work? Like here at our firm, obviously we do a lot of work with policy, but I know you've done a lot with policy work. So can you talk about how American Heart Association 
looks to impact policy in order to, to, to help with healthy outcomes. Right. Um, so the advocacy arm of the American Heart Association um, is focused on changing public policy. So public policy um, obviously shapes our communities, um, it makes our laws, and it gives us a, a paradigm to live um, within. And for the past 15 years, I've been working on enacting formal policies across the country. Um, public policy is a way um, to really impact um, health um, from a cardiovascular and stroke perspective in many ways. So I have done um, policies uh, like the smoking ordinance here in Dallas. We worked with Leopard and Allen Media um, in 2008 um, to really strengthen the smoking ordinance. And it was a real uphill battle um, in terms of um, convincing the council and the community that this was a good thing. And I think that anybody now looking back at before this policy was passed to now would agree that it's, it really is a culture shift. So when you have policy that's enacted formally, um, it can really uh, shift and change that culture. Um, I couldn't imagine going into restaurants in Dallas where there's where there's smoking. Um, and, and so that's a good example of sort of how public policy is, has um, has sort of shaped our community. And obviously, we have the data that, that really shows that there are less emergency room visits with cardiovascular disease and stroke once smoking ordinances are passed in Dallas. Now, that's one example. But overall, policies from a, from a health perspective um, can, can really help sort of shape um, and, and provide outcomes favorably. And from the American Heart Association's perspective, obviously, it's um, it's important that we are focused on on CBD and stroke. So, and you you talk policy, but then you also did mention community. So it does really have to be kind of a combination. So can you talk also about the community right. work that they you guys do to support the policy work and vice versa? Right, and and it's very interesting. Um, you know, we have. From an infrastructure perspective, we have a government relations director in every single state in the country. Um, and so we have spent the last 10 years building a program where we've been focused on public policies on the state level, working on legislation, regulations that sort of further our policies like CPR in schools, requiring uh, kids to, to have adequate training before they graduate high school. Texas passed that a few years ago. And we've seen a lot of, of, of difference um, in terms of those outcomes that you're talking about on the state level. But then we started really drilling down and we started looking at where we can have the greatest impact um, in terms of public policy. And what, what we're really seeing is that we have to focus more on our community work. So I've come back to Dallas in this new role as the uh, North Texas Community Advocacy Director to really focus on community and identifying policies that can really shape um, healthy outcomes for for all citizens in the community. Um, we are all about going into the communities to ensure that all citizens um, have access to healthy foods, that they have access to active living, um, and that we um, work on on policies that are really going to meet the communities where they are. So, specifically about food insecurity, mm -hmm. which is an issue that that we're working on together now. Why did American Heart Association 
make the decision that this was where they wanted to make an impact in Dallas, uh, specifically on food insecurity? Well, we've realized that there's a, a great disparity in terms of access to healthy foods um, from southern Dallas and northern Dallas and in underserved populations and communities of color. Um, it's just a huge disparity in terms of having access to healthy foods. Um, you know, there have been a, a tremendous amount of work by numerous organizations that have identified the same problem. What we um, are really focused on is the implementation phase of um, all the great work that's being done in Dallas. Um, you know, one thing that the Heart Association has been really fantastic at is going in and, and passing policies, as you say. Um, but then we, we go into the communities, we get the policy passed, um, and then we're on to the next. And what we've realized is that implementation and evaluation of the policies and becoming part of the communities that are really uh, the most vulnerable um, in terms of these policies um, <clears throat> are where we have to focus not only to come in and pass these policies, but to become a part of the community so that we can identify you know, what, what is next and what's going to be best to um, get to the get to the point where where we can say that um, no matter where you live in Dallas, um, you, you can live a healthy lifestyle and you can have access to healthy foods and you can have access to, to uh, active living and, and complete streets and safe routes to schools. So it's not just about the policy itself. It's about working within and being becoming a part of the communities where we are working. Um, to, to really have the greatest impact. And then evaluating. So um, looking at um, the data that comes about from all these great, all the great work that's being done around Dallas so that we can identify gaps, we can disseminate the, that information to really provide the best, the best approaches to um, help fill those gaps. And, um, and sort of that's where, where we have realized that um, community impact and collective impact within these communities is going to be crucial, along with the policy. So, um, you know, we, we have model policies for pretty much everything that we do from systems of care to, um, to active living to, um, to healthy eating, and we can go in and, and write the policies that, that, that will work, but it's, it's, it's in tandem with um, investing in the community and going and listening to the communities to find out sort of what is needed and, and to fill those gaps. So when, when when we talk about the organizations who are already kind of engaged in different parts of addressing food insecurity and even in our conversations before we got started, we, we talked about, you know, UNT Dallas or Toyota or City Square, whoever it might be. But another big important part for an organization like American Heart Association is the philanthropic community who also sees the need. So can you talk about kind of areas where you've seen the philanthropic community see that this is an area they want to get engaged in? Well, when you have data that shows outcome, right? 
um, you know, I, I don't raise money for the Heart Association. I work on the, on the policy side, but I'm, I'm a big part of ensuring because it all, it all goes hand in hand. So it's that collective impact. So when we're doing good work in the community and we can show our donors sort of what that work looks like and um, we're showing outcomes. So when they give monies in, in Dallas, they're, they're seeing this work being done. Folks aren't going to give money. And I'm not a development person, but I mean, I, I, I this is just my. But personal. we thank we, we're thankful for that. Absolutely, for sure, extremely. <laughs> it, it doesn't it doesn't go without without the donors, obviously. But to have to be able to show the impact that we're we're um, we're doing through our policy work, through our collective impact, for our, through our community impact efforts, um, it makes a big difference. So that that we can sort of not only bring and affect the underserved communities, but also to bring in those philanthropic um, interest and, and, and donors that can help be a part of it so that we bring Dallas together as a whole um, in these efforts. This is Deconstructing Dallas. We got DD with Deconstructing Dallas. We got DD with Doug Dunsavage. Doug Dunsavage is going to come back. On the other side, we're going to talk a little bit more about the work that he has been doing and we are doing on food insecurity, as well as a little bit more about his career at the American Heart Association. So check us out on the other side. Deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ron Trimble. We'll be right back. first steps to walking your daughter down the aisle. So many of life's precious moments are spent on our feet, and every step you take contributes to a healthier heart. By walking briskly for just 30 minutes a day, you can lower your risk for heart disease and stroke. So join us and take the first step to a healthier, longer life. The American Heart Association. Life. Life is why. Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. We are back with Doug Dunsavage, North Texas Community Advocacy Director at American Heart Association. And Doug, we talked before the break about the work that we've been doing on food insecurity here in Dallas. I wanted to ask you, um, from that work that we've been doing, what's been the biggest surprise or the thing that stood out the most as you've worked on food insecurity here? The need. I think, you know, we did a tour of Southern Dallas I guess a couple weeks ago, Sean, and, and you know, I've lived in Dallas my entire life, off and on, um, but born and raised here in, and in, in East Dallas. And um, when we went down and did just a driving tour of Southern Dallas, um, the places that I had seen, I mean, you pointed out to me, Southern Dallas itself is twice the size of San Francisco. Um, I think that if you, if you were to tell people that, across the board that uh, it's amazing how vast and how much area that covers. And for us as Dallasites, not to, not to really ensure that all of our Dallas communities are working together to provide 
basic stuff. I mean, basic services like like healthy food access. So you're not, you know, you, you can walk down the, the street and get get healthy foods and and not have to go to a McDonald's or a Wendy's for for your for your meals every day. You know, one of the things that you introduced me to is the term food swamp. Yes. Which I hadn't thought a lot about because <clears throat> yes, there's food deserts where you have not the access that you would want to, you know fresh produce and things like that, but also there's a plethora of things you can eat, but they're just not good options. Right, right. And, um, you know, food swamps are um, areas that have such a concentration of fast food restaurants that they become, I guess, that I don't know exactly where the term came from, but there's more availability of fast food than there is fresh food. Um, and it's, it's the easiest option for these communities uh, to get to. If you're a working household and you are driving home from work or you're taking public transportation home from work and you um, are walking home and, and you have five options on the way home and all of them are fast food restaurants and not corner stores that provide healthy food or not even a, um, a small grocery store that, that can provide access to healthy food, you don't have time to take um, public transportation three miles um, after you've worked a, a 10 hour day um, and, and get that, those healthy foods. So it's, it's a food swamp when there's more, more fast food restaurants than there, is, there are um, healthy options. So that, is, that was extremely surprising to me. And to get to know the, the geography for the first time as a Dallasite in Southern Dallas, you know, I, I don't mean to, to uh, sound so pessimistic because in my view, I think it, it gives us great opportunity to make more folks aware of um, that this is, this, this is a problem that's out there in food insecurities and in active living, um, but, but also sort of the, those social determinants that, that we really need to work on um, outside of CBD and stroke. I mean, it's made us realize at the Heart Association that we, we can't just go in and focus on cardiovascular disease and stroke, but we have to look at housing and we have to look at poverty. We have to look at literacy. We have to look at so that people can read their, the prescription um, on their drug bottles. Um, so it's, it's really basic stuff that I think there's a, um, a wealth of opportunity, if you will, to, to affect change um, in Southern Dallas. So the problems are there, but I think that, and, and maybe I'm looking at it as half full, the glass half full, but I really believe that we have, we have a blank slate in terms of the ability to, to really invest in the community and work with our community partners that are already doing great work and, and to, to go in the same direction from a collective impact perspective. And I guess that was probably my biggest surprise in looking at how American Heart Association views the way that they can impact this area is looking just past, as you say, screenings um, and impact in that way, but also looking at poverty, looking at crime reduction, looking at literacy, looking at all the holistic education, all the holistic uh, things that help with quality of life. And 
you know, for those who aren't familiar with the collective impact model, it is bringing people from all of those um, all those areas of expertise to the table in order that we all, because traditionally, you know, in the work that I've done for sure, and I want to talk a little bit more about the work you've done over your career, but people kind of do their thing and you get credit for it. And you, like you said, you kind of move to the right. next thing. But now, based on how you guys are looking at all of the facets that will impact this one patient or this one neighborhood, I think that that's probably been a pleasant surprise for me. Absolutely. And and we've realized that we've had to, we, we have to make this shift if we're really going to um, affect the health of all people in communities, which is our mission statement, so that they can live healthier lives. Um, we have to look at the entire system. Um, and so it has to be a systematic approach. It can't be just the Heart Association. It has to be a plethora of groups that are coming together, working on either policy or um, community uh, programs, whatever it takes to sort of move the needle from a systematic approach um, is, is how we're really going to affect change. Again, though, policy is a, is a big part of it. I mean, ultimately, we have to bring all those people to the table to understand that in, enacting formal policy in these areas is um, a, a big component of that. But it's one component, you know? It's not, it's not addressing the entire systematic approach. So, Doug, you've spent 15 years at the American Heart Association, so it'd be great if you could just let us know how you got started, kind of some of the different roles you've had with the organization uh, that's brought you back uh, to Texas. Right. So I've been in the political field, I guess, for for over 20 years, and uh, I worked um, in Dallas and then down in Austin. Um, and my wife thought it was a good idea if we lived in the same city. So we dated long distance for three years and I came back in 2003, I guess, to Dallas um, and started with the Heart Association in uh, May of 2004. and started out as an advocacy director that basically covered North Texas, and I covered the delegation of, of state reps and state senators in the North Texas delegation, um, and then uh, became government relations director statewide um, and worked our issues in Texas. And then I did a six-state region, um, which I became director of policy campaigns, so all of our campaigns that we worked on the state level. And then in my most recent role, I was at the National Center where I was a state advocacy consultant. And I worked on systems of care, which is all the hospital systems from when an acute event happens, a heart, heart, heart attack or stroke happens, um, from when EMS picks you up to um, when you're discharged from the hospital. So we worked on policies in that area and we had a lot of success around the country. Um, and then I also worked on acute cardiovascular care, so emergency cardiac care. Um, we, we've gotten 38 states to require CPR training um, for all children um, prior to graduation, um, which I'm really proud of. But in the meantime, I also worked a little bit on community. One of my greatest, um, or one of the things that I've really, really enjoyed was, was working with Alan Media, actually, on um, the Dallas Smoking Ordinance, because I think that it's something that is going to affect the community for years to come, and it's something that I can say that to my children that that I had an impact, and you know that's why I came back to Dallas and Fort Worth because I love this city so much, and and I think that there's so much room to work on these issues and and go Cowboys. 
Yeah, man, go Cowboys. Like, uh, not looking too bad right now in the home team. Uh, don't jinx us, Sean. Just We've had a few good wins, and we've got to meet the mighty Saints on yeah, Thursday I was about night. Saying, we got the Saints, so don't blame me if it doesn't go well <laughs> playing against the Saints. But, uh, Doug, if anybody wants to find out more information about um, the work that's going on here in Dallas or, or, or what you're doing, what would be the best way for them to, to get a hold of you? I think the best way would, would be to email me um, at Doug douglas.dunsavage at heart.org um, one S on Douglas um, and I'm happy to respond and Dun- can you spell Dunsavage? sure D-U-N as in Nancy S-A-V as in Victor A-G-E dot I'm sorry douglas.dunsavage at heart.org Cool. Well, Doug, this has been um, very good for me. Uh, I think our listeners will feel the same way. This is important work that you're doing, and uh, we appreciate working with you and um, look forward to coming back maybe in a few months and giving some updates on the progress. We would love it. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. This is Deconstructing Dallas. Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. We'll be right back after this. Sean, love hearing our guy Doug Dunsavage. What a good dude. Uh, really glad that uh, we had the chance to have him in. Yeah, and we, we've had some meetings with some really passionate people who mm-hmm. really want to address food insecurity. And so we've, we've really been welcomed as people have kind of now seen us in this space and the impact that American Heart Association Heart Association wants to make. So food insecurity has been, and, and grocery stores specifically in Southern Dallas has been an issue I follow. So it's been great to be involved with the American Heart Association and Doug really helped trying to make a difference. Well, Sean, pivoting to the weekend slate of football, we've got a lot of conference uh, playoff games, or excuse me, yeah, conference championships mm-hmm. coming up this weekend, including the first time in history that Texas and Oklahoma will play twice in one season. Well, being the good Aggie that I am, the best possible <laughs> scenario would be a tie. Unfortunately, they no longer do that in college football. Hence the 7472 <laughs> right. AM LSU game. And congrats on Thank that. You. Big win. Very welcome. But um, man, this this should be a interesting game. I think that OU's offense, Kyler Murray is like totally on fire. That first game that there had been just two minutes left, you know, of extra play. Yeah. I think OU would have won that game, but Anything could happen. A rivalry game, Jerry World. I fully expect Oklahoma to win, but really, there's no bad outcome. If if, <laughs> if Texas wins, then the Big 12's left out of the championship game. That's right. OU wins, Texas loses. Like, it's going to be great either way. I love it. Spoken like a true <laughs> Aggie, sir. Well, yeah, that'll be interesting to see, and we've got some other uh, action around the country. Obviously, uh, Alabama, Georgia for the SEC title. How about Memphis UCF for the American Athletic Conference Championship. 
I mean, again, not to get on the soapbox because this is not a sports show, but if it were, I would say proof that there needs to be eight teams in the college football playoff. Every conference champion in the, in the Power Five should have an automatic spot. That way, all of these games mean something because mm-hmm. regardless of who you – if it's Northwestern, if Northwestern won the Big Ten championship game, they should They're be able in. to get in. If yeah. Texas wins the Big 12 championship game, they get in. That's and right. then you fight for those remaining three spots. UCF would get one or should if they win the conference. UCF, who hasn't lost a game since in, in 2016. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> crazy. So, I mean, I, I think there seems – I think there's – momentum but momentum once the momentum started for a football playoff it still took like 10 years so that's right I mean even if they were to address this I think the the all the contracts are locked in to a point yeah. to where it definitely would be in the mid-20s before yeah. they would even consider doing anything different yeah. well it'll be fun to watch for sure and uh what else is going on with you Sean um saw a couple of films I'll talk about that maybe next time a lot of films during Thanksgiving okay. I plan to see some films over this weekend as well so um, that's what I think they call a tease in the business but we're not <laughs> in that business but if we were right. I think we call that a tease right well thanks to everyone who has joined us for this episode it's been great getting back recording episodes of Deconstructing Dallas and thanks to all of our friends on Twitter who have encouraged us to come back on the air thanks to Mary Woodleaf thanks to Jennifer Pascal. Thanks to each and every one of you who have gone and liked our podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can do the same on Stitcher. You can do the same on SoundCloud. Let us know what you think on Twitter. I am at Sean P. Williams. He is at rtremble15. You can let us know what you think. Deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ron Trimble. We'll be back soon. Adios. Adios.